right, good morning, Liquid Church. Uh, great to see you guys. Let me officially say Merry Christmas. Uh, my name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. And let's give a big old Christmas welcome to all six campuses joining us on the big screen. Glad you guys are here. Or if you're watching on Church Online or Facebook Live, thrilled you guys are here. Wow, was yesterday amazing? Uh, those of you who served the Christmas outreach, it was pretty incredible. Uh, we had six locations. We had a, a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal uh, of packing one million meals uh, to feed hungry children uh, around the world in 2019. And can I just say, I am so proud of you guys. You guys killed it. Uh, all told, you ready for the totals? Give me a drum roll, guys. Here we go. All told, you guys packed 1,114,831 meals. Praise God, that is awesome. You guys crushed it. I love it. You know, Jesus said, uh, if you love me, uh, you will feed my starving children. Uh, and that's what you've done. Um, let me put it in layman's terms. Those uh, 1.1 million meals translate into 3,000 children who will receive three square nutritious meals every day for the entire year of 2019. Guys, that's a life changer. You're saving lives, so thank you. Thank you for your generosity. You guys paid for them, you know, with your, your tithes and offerings, and uh, you packed them, and we shipped them, and uh, that's just thrilling to me to see Christ's compassion ripple out beyond New Jersey around the world. Uh, well, today, I want to welcome you, especially if it's your first time. What you're doing is you're joining us for week one of a series. It means like there's a couple messages in a row on a similar theme, uh, and the series for December is called Share Christmas, and what we're going to be doing here is we're going to actually be talking about sharing uh, some of the gifts that God, you know, gives us at Christmas. If you think about it, it's kind of weird, right? Like, Christmas, we're celebrating the birthday of Jesus. We should be giving him a gift. Uh, but at Christmas, God actually uh, sends us a gift, right? His one and only son, Jesus Christ. And that brings a lot of blessings, uh, including the gift of hope. And that's what I want to talk about today in a message I'm calling Share Hope. Can you, can you say that with me? Share Hope. Awesome. Now, before we dive in, I want to get you in like the Christmas spirit by showing you a quick video. Uh, and it, here's the deal. If you're an adult, it's going to make you laugh. If you're a kid, it's going to make you angry. Okay? <laughs> it's, it's one of those kind of, because all the kids right now, right, you're all starting, they're all starting to make their Christmas wish list or Amazon list, basically. Uh, all, the, all the presents, all the toys, all the games you want for Christmas. But these two parents pulled a pretty funny prank on their kids on Christmas morning. Watch this. Dinner. 
They're like so traumatized. It's amazing, right? Nothing 20 years of therapy won't cure, right? That's like, I love it. I, did you hear what the one kid said? She goes, I don't want this for Christmas. I don't, I don't want this for Christmas. Can we all say that? I don't want this for Christmas. Now, I, they're like, I didn't ask for this, but we've all gotten gifts, right, that like we didn't, we didn't ask for her. Uh, really kind of misread who we are as people, um, even, right? But even as like adults, we know what it's like to be disappointed at Christmas, right, um, by a gift that came our way, but we didn't, we didn't really want. We're just better at disguising uh, our disappointment, right? Like, for instance, if, if you're like, you know, if you, maybe you have a boyfriend or your, your husband, you know, you're like, I, I want these boots for Christmas, and you sent him a link, right, even to the right size and the style that you want, and, but he likes to think outside the shoebox, uh, right? And you're like, you're like, oh, this is good. You unwrap, and it's like a, you know, like a case of Slim Fast. You're like, what? Wait, what? I didn't, I didn't ask for this. I don't want that for Christmas. Or, you know, the shoe on the other foot, you know, if your, your boyfriend or husband wants, you know, like a drone or something, you know, and, and you give him the box, and he's like, oh, right size, right weight, and he tears it open, and it's like, you know, nose hair clippers, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> to boldly get those hairs where no hairs have gone before, right? And you're like, oh, thank you. Uh, I don't want this for Christmas. Um, at Christmas, we kind of all discover that old truth, right? You can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes... You just might find you get what? You know, you don't memorize the Bible. You memorize Rolling Stones. That's the problem here. First Jagger 316 right there. Right? That's pretty good. I want you to remember this phrase. I don't want this for Christmas. I want you to take that phrase and put it in your pocket because we're going to need it in today's Bible reading. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can open it to the book of Luke chapter 1. Uh, or if you can open the, uh, the Liquid Mobile app, a lot of people have that on their phone. You can, we provide scripture, the sermon notes, you kind of follow along. But at uh, Christmas, most churches turn to the Gospel of Luke and look at the story of, you know, the birth of Jesus. Um, but did you know there's actually a miraculous birth story before that one in Luke? Uh, it's about the birth of John the Baptist. It's kind of like the prequel to the miraculous birth of Jesus. And I think it's going to kind of prepare our hearts for Christmas. Uh, here's what it says in Luke chapter 1. We'll start at verse 5. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah. Let's say his name, Zechariah, Zechariah uh, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. You know, I don't know how to say that one, but just, let's go. Uh, his, <laughs> his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So you got two main characters in this story, right? Zechariah, Elizabeth, husband and wife team. And here's the deal. They were a very special couple. If you look at verse 6, it says this, both of them were what? Say it, church. Righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now, this is strong language, okay? Zechariah, his wife Liz, they've got like this huge heart for God. Uh, Zechariah was a Jewish priest. That just simply means he worked at the temple. He like led the worship services. He'd teach people from the Torah, you know, and, uh, and, but that wasn't what made them special. See, at that time, there were about 20,000 priests in Israel, and Zechariah is just one of them, but the difference was a lot of them were very like, they're just people went to church and went through the motions. A lot of the priests, in fact, were hypocritical. They acted one way, you know, when we're doing our religious stuff, another way in their life, and they were very spiritually proud. They, think of it this way, they followed God's law, but it really was just to impress other people. They, they'd go to church, but they'd just go through the motions. 
How many of you know it's entirely possible to go to church, sing the songs, you know, serve people, but just go through the motions? Where in your heart just stays hard to the Lord and to other people. It's like Jesus told that story of the Good Samaritan, right? Where there's a Jewish priest, he's, he's walking down the street and there's this guy who got mugged and he's laying in the gutter bleeding and the priest steps, sees him and he's like, oh, careful, God bless you, I'm late to church. And he steps over him, right? And keeps going. Not Zechariah and Elizabeth. They never went through the motions in obeying God's law. Their actual obedience of God was from the heart. That's why the scripture says both of them were righteous in the sight of God observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. In other words, they didn't just do the right things, they did them for the right reasons. They had a pure heart. God calls them blameless. In other words, it's like there wasn't an ounce of selfishness in them. It's like, wow, man, I'm, I'm kind of like, Phew. you know, I like, on my good days, I like to think of myself as like a kind or compassionate person, but like blameless, 100%, probably not. You know, there's always a little bit of selfishness kind of lurking under the surface somewhere, but these guys were the real deal. And so you assume because they were blameless, they'd be blessed, right? That's how it works, isn't it, right? Like most people think that, like, well, you do the right things, you do them for the right reason, and God rewards you in the right way. But the Bible says Zechariah and Elizabeth were not blessed. In fact, here's the twist. Look what verse 7 says. But they were what? Childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. On top of it, both of them were really old. In other words, they struggled with infertility. Uh, Elizabeth was, was barren. In a, in a Jewish culture, this is the first century, Jewish culture that valued family and children above everything else, barren was not blessed. If you couldn't conceive, you were considered cursed because most Jews at the time didn't believe like in a resurrection, so their hope for the future was in their kids. Kids cared for their parents in old age. Children represent the future of the family, their financial security, their social status. So understand, children were a blessing. Childlessness was a curse. Some priests said, oh, that's evidence of divine disfavor. So probably their friends were like, look at them like, hey, you may be righteous in the sight of God, but we know there's probably some sort of secret sin in there that God's like judging you. And so this godly couple had to live their whole life with that shame that stigma. So you understand this is like a sensitive situation. You've got a godly couple who had hope for a future family one day, only to get a gift that nobody wants. The, the pain of, of infertility, right? On top of it, the Bible says they were both very old. Now, typically in Scripture, what that means is over 60 years old. We know that today 60 is the new 40. Get that? <laughs> Uh, but this puts them past the childbearing years. And you understand there's no like IVF treatments at this point, right? There's no like, there's not going to be like egg extraction, sperm samples. There's no medical miracle on the horizon. Adoption wasn't even common. So the reality is their future looked hopeless. They, they, they didn't have hope or a future. It just, and, and that seemed unfair. Doesn't that seem unfair to you when you just look at this? Here you have an aging couple devoted their whole lives to serving God blamelessly, only to have their hopes shattered. They're like, we, we didn't ask for this. I'm guessing they felt something like maybe some of you feel this, this December, you know, as we approach Christmas. Like maybe you're not even looking forward to Christmas 2018. You're, you're like, I'll be glad to see 2018 come to an end, Tim, honestly, because the year didn't turn out the way that I hoped. Like you may be like, you know what, this Christmas, I, 
I wanted a really good gift to get married, you know, or, or meet, at least meet someone special, start a family, or, or maybe you want to start a new job or a career, but it didn't turn out that way. You got, you got a present, and, and it seemed hopeful at first. You're like, oh, ooh, what's that? It is that right, right, right size and everything. And, and you're like, oh, I can't wait, to, can't wait to see what this is going to be. Let's see, what, what, what did I get? What did I get for Christmas this year? What did I, did, did I what? What? I, I didn't ask for this. I, I, didn't, I didn't ask for abuse. I didn't, I didn't want this for Christmas. You know, some of you, some of you finished college this year and, 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 and the job market was harder than you thought and you had to move back to your parents and you're like, I, I didn't want this. And they didn't want that for you either. Or, or maybe this was the year that you thought at Christmas you are going to have, you know, an extra seat at the table. And there's going to be a child to celebrate it. And, and, and the miscarriage just left a hole in your life. You're like, no one else understands. Or the adoption fell through at the last minute. You know, maybe, maybe, um, maybe this year you buried a loved one, someone you loved. And you look at Christmas and you're like, man, I'm just going to miss their laugh. I'm going to miss their presence. I'm just going to miss, miss their life. Maybe, maybe there's a, nobody asked for cancer. Nobody asked for a chronic condition. And maybe you've been through the treatments and chemo and stuff. And you're like, I, I'm running out of hope here. I, I didn't ask for this. And I asked God for, to touch me, you know. Maybe you're here and even just this is a hard moment, but like, you know, like after the service ends, you're gonna, you're gonna walk out to your car and you're gonna see couples holding hands and it's gonna hurt because you feel all alone. Like, I don't want, I didn't want this for Christmas. This past year, I know some of you got married or maybe over the last, last couple of years and uh, you were Disney fans. And so you thought, you know, oh good, here comes happily ever after, right? That's how the relationship will go. But the relationship hasn't worked out that way, and now there's disillusionment and disappointment, and maybe this year there's, there's been a divorce that you didn't, I didn't ask for this, you know? Christmas can be hard. Christmas is sometimes, it's dealing with relatives and you've got unresolved conflict. Maybe it means dealing with an ex-spouse, and there's like custody, child custody issues, or you're dealing with a new spouse who's raising your kids. Can I ask, where are you tempted to lose hope? this Christmas. You may be saying in your heart, man, I, I look back on this year, good riddance, because I, I didn't want this for Christmas, and I'm tempted to lose hope, like Zechariah and Elizabeth. In other words, you're like, this doesn't make sense. I love God, but my life isn't turning out as I hoped it would. And if you're honest, you'd say, you know, Tim, I, I'm losing heart a little bit. I'm losing, I'm losing hope that my prodigal son or daughter who turned their back on our family, they turned their back on God, will ever actually turn around and come home. I'm, I'm losing hope that, you know, the treatment is ever going to work or the chronic condition is ever going to heal because I'm running out of options. Here's a great question to start, Christmas, and get your heart ready. Where are you losing hope this Christmas? Because the ugly truth is that you can love God 
live a righteous life, and yet still have your hopes and dreams shattered by situations you didn't want and you didn't ask for. You know, personally speaking, I have a situation in my family right now. I won't bore you with the details, but it's just an area where I'm tempted to lose hope. You know, I talk about it with my wife, you know, all the time, and, and it's, but it's just one of those situations that, like, at this point, I, like, expected to see progress, <laughs> but there's not. It, you know, it's like one of those situations where, like, it's one step forward and then, oh, two steps back. And she's like, you know, Tim, just be patient, you know, just wait, keep praying. And I'm like, I don't like waiting for an answer. Anybody else hate to wait? Okay. Not a patient person. <laughs> In fact, where there's a situation I don't like, and I, I ask God to move, and you know, I need you to move right now, and, 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 he, and he does it. I can go to a dark place uh, pretty quickly, actually. It's funny, because like, I'm a very positive person, but around Christmas, I can like, turn, turn negative. And my wife actually, she said, you know, I've been thinking about it. She goes, it's like clockwork. This happens each year. She goes, I think you, there's a thing, she goes, called SAD. You guys know what this is? It stands, I mean, this is not a joke. It stands for uh, Seasonal Affective Disorder. Because, you know, like, it gets dark now at, like, 2.15 in the afternoon. So, uh, you know, like, you don't get your sunlight, and you start getting sad and depressed. And I'm like, I'm not sad. I'm mad, okay? I, did, I, did, I didn't want this for Christmas. I've, I've been serving God and praying hard, and the situation isn't changing. And I'm starting to lose hope here. The only thing that's sad is my impatience, okay? Because I, I hate to wait. Nobody likes to wait. But did you know that's what Advent is? Advent is a season of waiting. A season. Advent is the Christian term for the weeks leading up to Christmas as we wait for the arrival of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And here in Luke, God's people had been waiting a long time to hear from God, 400 years in fact. Listen, when the Old Testament closes, it's like God hangs up the phone. The line goes dead for 400 years. There's, there's no prophets with a message. There's no angels. There's people pray. No one answers. And so God's people here in Luke, they're just waiting. They're waiting like Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, they're just desperate, like, God, do something, say something. We're losing hope. Until one day, here's the hope, Zechariah goes to work and his cell phone rings. Okay, it's not a literal cell phone, people, all right? It's like first century, no T-Mobile. Here's, here's what verse 8 says. Look what it says. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he's serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, so he won the lottery. He gets to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were doing what? They were praying outside. So again, Zechariah works in the church, and they would uh, they'd choose lots because there's 20,000. Who gets to go into the Holy of Holies and kind of burn incense? And Zechariah gets chosen. And so he goes in and he lights this candle and the incense starts going up. And this is kind of cool. Do you know what that symbolizes? When, when the people saw the smoke of the incense rising up, it symbolized their prayers going up to the throne of God, ascending. It's a beautiful picture. So picture this. Old man gets in there. He lights the incense and begins praying. It says, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was what? Startled and gripped with fear. Okay, like poor old guys like, okay, here, what? You know, kind of thing. You would be too. Listen, for 400 years, there's no answer from heaven. But suddenly in Luke 1, the angel Gabriel appears. I know some of you are thinking like, oh, that's cute, Gabriel, you know, angel baby with harp and all. No, 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 no. <laughs> Gabriel is a great warrior angel, okay? In fact, he is the fierce messenger angel who actually is going to come tell Mary that she'll be pregnant with Jesus. 
But first, before he goes to Mary, Gabriel goes to Zechariah. And you imagine this poor old man, you know, freaking out. He's gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. You're what? Your prayer has been? Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you're to call him John. And here's kind of the cool news. He will be a what, church? Joy and delight to you. And not just you guys. Many will rejoice because of his birth. For he, this kid, he's going to be what? Great in the sight of God. Amazing news. After four centuries of silence, six decades of infertility, after all the heartache, all the, all the, all the losing hope, all the, this, I, 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 didn't, I didn't ask for this. God says, well, did you look in the box? What? You're going to have a baby boy. What? Yeah, he's, he's going to be great. Go, go ahead. Look in the, look in the box. And, and, and after all these years of, of waiting, they actually realize, oh my gosh, we're going to have a son, and he's going to be a what? A joy and a delight to you. You serious? Yeah, hi, are you sure? Yeah, listen. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's going to prepare the way for the Savior. And suddenly, after all those decades of waiting, Zechariah and Elizabeth have, say it, church, hope. How did that feel after waiting all those years? How would it feel to you? What was that like? Well, you could ask Danny and Syrah, his, his, his wife. They can probably tell you firsthand. Danny and Syrah attend Liquid Garwood. What up, Garwood? They've been married 10 years, and they, were start, they, they want to start a family like many young couples, but, but they weren't sure it was going to happen. So back in February this year, during our fast series, they decided to, we're going to pray, we're going to fast for 40 days and really seek God's hand. And Danny was like, Tim, I didn't want to get our hopes up. And honestly, we weren't sure that anything was going to happen. And so they actually planned a trip abroad during the summer to travel. Well, guess what? You know, a few weeks ago, they literally come running up to me alive. And they're like, Pastor Tim, look. And Syrah's belly is like a basketball. And after all these years, after all this heartache, after all this you know, hope leaking like a slow helium leak. He's like, God answered our prayers. Well, on Wednesday, they gave birth uh, to their little boy. Yeah, give God a praise for that. It's all amazing. It's really kind of a cool fast story. You know, after a season of, of waiting and fasting and prayer, God moved, right? And, and I was like, man, that's like, what? Come on, Christmas baby. What, what kind of joy is going to fill that house this Christmas? Now, remember, that's their story. Your story may be different. Advent means waiting. We're waiting for the arrival of a baby, baby Jesus, but before Jesus can come, his cousin John is born. See, this baby who is, is born to Zechariah and Elizabeth was a special child. The angel said, remember, he said, give him the name John. You know what John means? The Lord is gracious. So in a seemingly hopeless situation, God injects his, his grace and, and fresh hope. And God says, your son is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He'll be a joy. He'll be a delight. He's going to serve the Lord like his parents did. And he's got this special calling on his life. You know what John's job was? Look at verse 16. It says, John will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He'll go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to, here it is, watch this, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. And here's John's job, his, his job description is like summed up. Let's read it. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 
In other words, this kid's got a special mission. This is not any ordinary John. This is even not the Apostle John. This is John the Baptist, whose job was to make straight all these crooked paths in a broken world for the arrival of the Messiah, God's, God's son, the chosen one, who said, I'm going to deliver this whole nation from their sin, and I'm the one who's going to bring lasting hope and lasting joy into their lives. You know, 400 years, it didn't look like this was ever going to happen. What's <laughs> funny, the Bible's so real. Even Zechariah has his doubts. I imagine him like, you know, he's looking at like his saggy skin and, and, and his gray hair. And so it says, Zechariah asked the angel, you sure? Like, are you serious? Like, how can I be sure of this? He's like, I'm an old man. And my wife, he actually doesn't call her old. He says, she's well along in years. <laughs> Smart husband right there. Okay, that's just. <laughs> and the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I feel like it should be James Earl Jones, don't you? Like an angel kind of thing. I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this what? Good news, the word gospel here. From now on, you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you ain't believe me. In other words, the announcement of his son's birth leaves Zechariah speechless. <laughs> the angel says, boom, we're going to zip your lips because you misunderstood the miracle God was going to do in your life. And we do this all the time, don't we? Like some, sometimes in life, we can get so bummed by the wrapping of the outside of the box. I, I didn't ask for this. We miss God's miracle waiting on the inside. Zechariah's intellect, his emotions, you know, looked at this and said, this is impossible. How's God going to do something after all this time? But I got good news for you. God isn't limited by your doubts. When your God promises something, your God delivers right on time. Amen? Not necessarily your time, but according, don't clap yet, <laughs> but according to his time. Look what Gabriel says. He says, you did not believe my words, which will come true at their what? Appointed time. In other words, God's got an appointment. God's got a calendar. He's the one sovereign. He's calling the shots in your life. What do you think? And he's got an appointment. So if you're here and you're like, man, I, yeah, I'm Tim, I, I got a couple situations in my life I'm thinking about losing hope, Zechariah's like, you got to trust God's timing. You can actually have confidence that there's always more inside the box. Even if you've been waiting four years or, you know, 40 years, Advent is a season of waiting. But if you're waiting for God to answer some need or some deep heart cry, we have to be patient. In fact, let me just be real. I want to be super sensitive just as your pastor because I know some of the heartache some of you are carrying around. It's right by the surface. You know, you might be listening to me even today and, and, and you don't like, you look at this box and you don't like what it says on the outside. In fact, from your perspective, you can't see anything other than what that says. Here's what I want to say to you today before you leave. I know it's hard. And I know you being me like all prayed out and everything. But before you give up, just listen to me. God still has a story for you. Your story is not over. And can I tell you something? Loss does not have to define your story. It doesn't. Your response to the loss can define your story. The, the challenge in these moments is can you, can you actually, can you begin to let go of your demand for how it should look? Could you begin to let go of the demand for how your, you know, your family should look or the demand for this is how my marriage should be or, or, or how my kids should be? Because once you start to let go, you start letting control go, 
and handing it over to God, it actually sets you free to have a confidence in his goodness, in his faithfulness. I, I can't tell you what it looks like, but when God promises something, God delivers, and it's always right on his time. I don't know what that's going to look like for you. I don't know how long it's going to take. The blessing may turn out, it may look different than you thought. And even if God doesn't answer in the way that you want or expect, can I tell you something? He is 100% faithful, 100% good all of the time. Amen? May give him some praise, Lord, because sometimes we need to praise him even when it looks different on the outside. And listen, when God answers, you got to get ready because it may be better than you thought. I mean, Zechariah, you know, and Elizabeth, they just want a baby, but guess what? They got John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, like this Old Testament prophet, he actually called people, turn from your sin, return to God. And, and he gave these people heart transplants. They had like, shat, you know, hard hearts. And he like shattered them. And, and their hearts now were like pliable and trusting. And, and their lives were like, we've missed it. We're open, God, to your will. We're open to your ways. Are you? Are, can I ask that? Are you open to God's will and God's ways in your life, in your story? Or do you need a change of heart? Understand, with God, your story is never over. Never over. You may be here and approaching this Christmas and say, you know, I, I, I didn't want this. I didn't want this for Christmas. I didn't want this in my life. But you know what? Behind the scenes, God is working. And whether you perceive it or not, some of his greatest work in your life may be a blessing to families far beyond your own. See, as John the Baptist grew, he did his job. He prepared the way for the arrival of his cousin. And when he was older, he was baptizing people, and he saw his cousin walking across the field. He said, look, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that was the announcement of the arrival of Jesus, the Savior. And, and, and Jesus, the Savior, was ultimately the promised one who would bring the gift of salvation to all of Israel, to Zechariah, to Elizabeth, to me, to you, to Chuck, to Lois, to Terry, to Frank. At Christmas, out of immense love, God gave his very best. I'm going to give you my greatest gift, my one and only son, Jesus, and he's going to die on a terrible cross as a sacrifice for your sins in your place. And it's gonna look brutal. And when Jesus was crucified, guess what guys? This was not what anyone was expecting. Can I tell you, when Jesus was crucified, all anybody saw was an ugly, blood-stained cross that looked like this was the end of the story. But three days later, deep inside that box was a tomb that was empty. And that changed the world forever. Because Jesus didn't just conquer sin, he conquered death. He says, I'm putting this broken world back together. And I'm coming in and I'm entering into your loss. And I'm entering into your pain. Because I want you to know the Father's love. What's the Father's love? For God so loved this broken world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. It's not the end. But what? Have what? Eternal life. Joy beyond the pain. The hope of heaven, a living God who at Christmas says, you understand? 
I have come, and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And if you trust me, I can work all things together for good to those who love me. Amen? It's Christmas time. It's Christmas. And God, I want, I want you to know this. No matter what loss or loneliness you're facing, you don't have to go into Christmas without a Savior, without Christ. Today, God is like literally, I don't know what you're going through, but he is offering you his gifts of joy and hope and salvation. And it comes through simple faith in his son, Jesus. So can I just ask, where are you losing hope? Where is your hope? Is it in the circumstances? Or is it in Christ, the bedrock, in the middle of the crisis? This is where joy comes from. It's not happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. Joy is based on Jesus. Amen? Have you received that gift? Have you received it afresh as you prepare your heart for Christmas? If not, that's what I want to do right now. I want to take some time to pray. Would you just bow your heads with me? All our campuses, where you are. I'm just going to hold out this box, and it says Jesus, because I, I want you to get this image in your hand. This is God, your heavenly Father, saying, I have hope for you. And your story ain't over. God, I thank you right now, Jesus. I know, Father, you are reaching down through heaven. Lord, there are, there, I believe right even now in the sound of my voice, I know there's a woman here who has a hole in her life, Lord, from the abuse. And I ask, Lord, that in the, those cracks, you would flood her with your Holy Spirit and begin healing from the inside out. Father, there are couples who are disheartened and disappointed. They're disillusioned. But God, right now, flood them with hope, God that you have hope and a future for them, plans to prosper them, Father God. Lord, there's men right now here who are dealing with their job loss or their career. It didn't end. The year's not ending the way they thought it would. Maybe there's marital strife. Father God, thank you, right? You're offering them Jesus right now. And you're a savior. If you can resurrect your son from the dead, you can resurrect a dead marriage, a dead career. We believe it, God. So we receive your hope. Father, I ask for this whole congregation, would you begin right now even just bubbling up in us right now? Holy Spirit, begin bubbling up joy that's unshakable and not tethered to happenings. If you're here today and you, you're like, man, I want that. <laughs> How do I receive Jesus? I'm gonna lead you in a prayer of salvation. Joining God's family is actually really simple. You simply need to talk to God and tell him what's in your heart. So I'm gonna pray a prayer of salvation. And you can pray these words out loud after me. They're not magic words. Let's all actually pray them together so nobody feels left out, okay? Just pray these words after me. Heavenly Father, it's Christmas. I need you in my heart to heal the hurt, to forgive my sins, to fill me with hope. So Jesus, I receive the gift of eternal life. Thank you for dying for me, rising from the dead. Forgive my sins. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be alone again. Receive me into your family. Thank you for eternal life. Father, we believe right now that people who are making that decision in their hearts, something supernatural is happening inside of them. They're entering the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And I thank you for new believers. I thank you that we can be born again at Christmas.
And Father, I pray right now for those who came in with no hope that you would flood them supernaturally with your Holy Spirit and let them know you've got more to come in the chapters of their story. You're far from done, God. Let us be a community of hope this Christmas and may people see Jesus in our lives. And all God's people said together, amen. Church, would you welcome new believers to the family of God? If you prayed that prayer, praise God for you.